Manimal here. It's Thursday, November 2nd. Today on Texas Rangers with the boys. You can hear it in my voice. I am beaming. The Texas Rangers are your 2023 world champions. The Rangers won the World Series last night. And me and Kevin, we're going to talk about it. It's a long podcast. We couldn't help it. We had to talk about every little thing that happened throughout the series, throughout the year. We had to do it. So join us today, Texas Rangers with the boys. Welcome back to Texas Rangers with the boys. We are the boys, your daily Texas Rangers podcast by a couple of, you know what? Forget the intro. It's your boy, Kev. It's the 300 pound animal. And we are on here at 1013 central time playing Creed in the background, celebrating this world series victory of our Texas Rangers. Tell them how you're feeling bulls. Don't mind that pop top right there. That's just a that's just a bottle of uh, Lagavulin Islay single malt Scotch whiskey, aged nine years that I've been waiting to pop for a moment just like this. And man, it goes down a lot smoother than it did whenever the Rangers were getting beaten the World Series. Man, I'm like at some point in this show, I will cry. Um, <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't know that I'll cry, but I I will get emotional because man, that was that. Uh, Come on, Evaldi, that was the gutsiest performance I've ever seen by a, a starting pitcher that wears a Texas Rangers uniform. And and rest assured, I didn't see a whole lot of Nolan. I didn't see a whole lot of Fergie. I didn't see a whole lot of Burt Blylevin. I know they've had great pitchers in here before, but the the idea that I mean. This dude is just so clutch for this team. We saw it the day after DeGrom went down, and he went out there and, and threw a nine-inning gym against the Yankees. I mean, we, we knew it. We knew that it was going to be the case. We knew what we were getting with this guy when we brought him in here. I mean, when we talked about it, when we talked about him, like, back in, who knows, December, right? It was like, Christmas Eve when they signed him and who knew that was going to be the greatest Christmas gift that we all got this year was Nathan Eovaldi but man I mean like we knew that that was who he was as a, as a pitcher in the uh, playoffs and we knew that that was why he was being brought here and and to see him through a whole course of the playoffs with the new wild card division you know everybody they're talking about changing the playoff format well don't forget that the Texas Rangers had five days off before they had to go to Houston mm. and faced Justin Verlander and they went in there and they beat Justin Verlander in a two nothing ball game. And not one person in the Rangers said, Oh man, we just had so many damn days off. We just <laughs> didn't, we forgot how to play the game. No, the Rangers went out there. They did it. They did everything that we talked about all year long. I mean, like I'm not, I'm not saying that I thought they were going to win the World Series, but I knew they were a good team, and I knew that they were going to hang around for a long time, and they had a pitching staff that could. And I mean, look, I mean, like their their pitching staff was so depleted at the end of the year that the national telecast acted like they have two starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm gonna let you talk a little while. Look, I've been talking. Look, like, I mean, I'm look, going too crazy, you know. But but no, you you have every right, and frankly, like we're both pumped, we're excited totally off script and as it should be i'm in my living room with my wife and my little one-year-old my one and a half year old and we are celebrating i got creed playing in the background for the first time 
since high school. And I'm telling you, man, like I have waited literally my whole life for this. And when we talked about all of the moves that got made during the off season, I think today it stands true more than any day that the best move the Rangers have made in the history of their organization was hiring Bruce Bochy. Maybe it was hiring Chris Young, but Bruce Bochy to me was the biggest difference maker that I have ever seen in a coach watching the Texas Rangers period. I've yeah, just I'm, never I'm seen a bigger turnaround in uh, my life. Um, we, the guy did we the, talk about that too and how important it was when Bruce Bochy came out of basically retirement to come and coach this team. And we've talked about it and we, we, you know, we, we made such a point of how important that was to have a, a manager that was not going to not, you know, look like Bruce Bochy, he's not going to ignore analytics. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do it, but he's also going to go with his gut and a prime example of that tonight was, dude, he knew had sports had the goods tonight. Yep. yep. He saw it from yep. that first. I mean, he he went straight. Like, we're watching Ray Davis hoist the trophy right now. Right. I mean, this is exciting, a moment, you know. Like, everybody had been so hypercritical of Ray Davis for so many years because he put the clamps on J.D. And also, I want to take a moment. I know he doesn't have a ton of support in this town, but – but the fingerprints of John Daniels is all over this thing too. Absolutely, um, he, absolutely. He made, great, he, great, he made great moves to put them in a position to go out and listen, get guys listen. like Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, right. and John Gray, and but, Jacob but also, DeGrom, hey, and, and make this thing. No, listen, and Evan Carter. Okay, the, Josh Young. Many, I mean, those, those are guys, guys he drafted. Yeah, we don't win this thing without those guys. And like you said, his fingerprints are all over this. And, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I, there, there's, it's funny because Corey Seager's the MVP. I don't care what anybody says. He's yeah, the, he's no, the, he's the, the, he's the MVP. We all know it, but so many players stepped up and made just, it kind of just shows you how many players that it takes and how many incredible performances that it takes throughout a hundred and apparently, I mean, 70, whatever 70 games, games it is. 178. Uh, yeah, 178 games to create a moment like we're having right now, watching a six foot 10 guy uh, hoist a World Series trophy yeah. up there. And, and you know what's so wonderful about Chris Young hoisting that trophy is, is, is Chris Young's a Dallas kid, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pitched at Scotland Yard in Highland Park, and he was a, a you know a, a genius that went on to pitch in the Ivy League and and had a great career. But he's a Dallas kid through and through, and you you know you gotta you gotta think it's as satisfying for him to see not only a team that he pitched for, but a team that he grew up cheering for hoist this trophy for his town. For his city, the mm-hmm. Ray Davis and those guys took a chance on a guy that was working below Joe Torrey, deciding whether somebody should get two games or three games for right. getting it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like so, like you know, I mean, just for for the Rangers, for Young, for him to go out and get Bochi and Maddox, and how important that was, and you know, just 
it's so satisfying right now to see Bruce Bochy. I mean, this is the, the third team that he's taken to a World Series. It's the second team that he's won a World Series with. There's only a handful of managers in the history of baseball that have won four championships. And, and to see him do it with a team like the Texas Rangers, who have been not only in existence from since 1972 here in Dallas or Arlington, but... Uh, since 1961 in Washington, when the Washington Senators moved to um, Minnesota, the, the Texas Rangers franchise was uh, created to fill that void in Washington. And then whenever they couldn't do it in Washington, you know, they moved here to Texas. You know, they did gimmicks like bringing Ted Williams in here to manage the thing. They brought David Clyde up right after they drafted him. They did a lot of things. I mean, Nolan's twilight years. They had so many great players that we squandered in the days between Palmiro and Gonzalez and Rodriguez and, and all these great players that, that no one would just go out and spend on pitching. No one would go out and, I mean, like up until this point, we talked about it, like 2011 was the best rotation they ever had. And it was Harrison Holland, no, <laughs> Colby Lewis, Alexio Gondo, right. and C.J. Wilson. Yeah. Like, that is not what they brought to the table this year and for the Rangers to absolutely go out there and get as much pitching as they could. Mm -hmm. And I know that the bullpen struggled this year, but, like, at the end of the day, when you needed bullpen hands and you had good starters that were in the bullpen, it made all the difference in the world. I'm so happy for guys like Martin Perez, Corey Seager has been announced as the MVP. Definitely. And Absolutely. was there ever any doubt? I mean, the no. only thing that could have, the only thing that no. could have like changed that was if like Adalis Garcia went out there on like, like couldn't even swing the bat and like Kirk Gibson won like late in the game, you know I mean? And that wasn't even going to change things. No, but, man. You know, no. Corey, let me, let me tell you something. He, he's talking about the team right now. He isn't talking about Corey Seager. He's talking about what the team did and, and what, a, I mean, he, he is, uh, we posted last night on the Texas Rangers with the boys Twitter where they had the machine hitting with a bat. That was what Corey Seager was in this playoffs for the Rangers. And I mean, taking all those walks in Baltimore and making, making them pitch to Mitch Garver going off in the, in game seven of the ALCS and then just being the man, the man. I mean, there was not a better player on the earth than Corey Seager during the World Series. And no, there's listen. a reason why he's hoisting that MVP trophy and well-deserved to Corey Seager. And, uh, you know, I'll let you talk about Corey Seager for a minute. Well, the, Corey Seager is the best baseball player and was the best baseball player in the world this year. And, again, he may not win the MVP, but I watched 160 or 150-something. Actually, counting the playoffs – over 160-something games. I only missed a handful of games all year long. And even the ones I missed, I went Tom back Mayer. and watched them and uh, and, and watched, watched the highlights. And I'm going to tell you, man, Corey Seager was the best player in baseball this year in the world. Um, and I don't care who gets the MVP trophy. He got the MVP trophy that counts. Uh, he joins Reggie Jackson is the only one of the only position two players. Player. Yeah, position yeah, player position to win. Player. Yeah, to win two World Series MVPs. So uh, Corey Seager is the best player in the world, hands down. Um, and the other, and it's uh, and it's one of four because the only other two are Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax. Right. And and those are just 
I mean, that was back when you pitched one, four, and seven. Well, and, I mean, those guys were so awesome. And, Hall of Famers, like all, all yeah, he's, yeah. He's in the... like all three of those guys are no doubt, sure thing, one hundred percent Hall of Famers. And Corey Seager is well on his way. What people have got to remember is Corey Seager. What's he? Thirty, maybe. Well, and I'm going to say this about Seager too. Like, I'm gonna, I, I will say that Corey Seager, especially at the plate might be the most talented baseball player I've ever seen uh, batting from that left side. I've, I I mean, I'm talking Ken Griffey Jr., um, <laughs> Barry Bonds. Uh, yeah, like, like I'm telling great, you, like, you know. just when it comes to just pure, unadulterated, just talent as a, as a ball player and as an athlete, uh, Corey Seager is as is, is good as I've ever seen in my life. And I, I want to talk a quick about Nathan Eovaldi. Um, and really just I, I want to go back to that game that uh, after uh, Jacob DeGrom went down and all the adversity we've gone through this year, losing uh, our top signed free agent, the, the guy that was probably the probably is as upset as anybody that um, he, he didn't get to contribute more to this. But let me tell you, man, those six wins. And I told you that I told you, I said, hey, look, he may not you know, it may not come down to to you know what we wanted from him but the six wins that he got us were part of the reason we were in the playoffs but when well, in the same with the back half with max scherzer absolutely he he contributed but when when uh you know remember when uh we know we all remember when degrom went down and then that next start that nathan Eovaldi, it was a friday or a saturday night against the new york yankees i was over at my sister's house watching that game and it was the greatest in seeing like uh, a regular season pitching performance that I think I've ever seen, especially given in the modern era that guys don't throw complete games. He came out and literally said, Hey, I got this. And, and, and and unbelievable dude. And then 11 and and one in the playoffs. And, and not just that one game either, because remember he came back against the A's the next time out and went like, eight and the third eight yeah. or maybe seven well, that three game stretch. or something like that he had a three game stretch that was as good a three game stretch i mean bob gibson would have said hey that's a three game stretch that i can respect no you know, you're, Sandy right. Kofax, you're right those guys would have respected that three game stretch and and really honestly the best thing that nathan Ivaldi did the whole season and man i mean if you remember correctly we were like there was a time where we were talking about, do they shut Nathan Eovaldi down for the year? Because we were yeah. concerned that he there might was a need, time because need that was, Tommy It was job. always Nate throws a a bullpen, and then we're going to keep waiting. And then oh, there's a little bit of pain left in that right elbow. Let's shut him back down for a week. We're going to throw a bullpen in a week, see how he's feeling, and then he'd feel a little bit better in a bullpen. And you're thinking, okay, okay, and then all of a sudden you're like. Oh, he's throwing another bullpen. He's not hitting life hit, or he's not throwing the life hitters yet. He's not. He's not doing a sim game. He's not. You know, like so. It's like you're thinking, like in your head, you're like, man, why isn't he throwing to guys like Brad Miller and and Austin Hedges and those dudes in in these sim games? And and at the end of the day, I mean, it was like you're thinking, oh man, they may have to shut Nate Eovaldi down, and that's our dog. That's the guy that we've counted on, and and between Eovaldi and and Jordan Montgomery in the playoffs, they got 
They got some of the best pitching performances in Texas Rangers history. And I just want to say one thing while I'm thinking about it. That pitch that Josh Spores threw in the eighth inning to end it, that was the best pitch that I've ever seen Josh Spores throw. And that was just Picasso, baby. I just kept hey, your cap. It, it, it goes, it's going to go and, down as one of the greatest pitches in the history of the Rangers franchise. I mean, if you're going to say, hey, tell me a pitch – that you'll never forget as a Rangers fan, it's going to be that curveball slider thing, whatever it was on the outside corner and, uh, to, to get that third strike um, in the eighth inning. And he, he was up, up against a lefty. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but uh, man. Pavin Smith. Yeah. Pavin Smith. And, and which a guy that nobody's seen all postseason, So you don't mm-hmm. know exactly what he's going to do up there. He, uh, yep. Every time that he's been sent to the plate, the Rangers would, uh, you know, uh, counter that with Will Smith, and then they'd go to a right-handed hitter. And like, I mean, you know, what whoever they used off of the bench. I mean, like, I I don't have box scores on, on me. Jordan Lawler, or whoever they used off of their bench, Chase Peters. I'm not sure, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, the he, he kind of made me a little bit nervous because mm-hmm. here's this he's a top prospect or he has been in the past and he's kind of struggled with the diamondbacks but like sometimes it's that guy that needs that breakout that gets his breakout and mm-hmm. kind of opens the game up or changes the game in a way that isn't satisfactory to our texas rangers and you know spores really i mean he really fooled him with that curveball and and the idea that spores is throwing 98 miles an hour at, with some cheddar and then backing that up with 91 on his slider and 85 on his curveball. I mean, it's just a, be- it's a thing of beauty when he's healthy. And, you know, I mean, dude, if if, you, if we went back to February, March, mm-hmm. right, right before the season started, and we would have said that Josh Spores was the guy that closed down a tight game for the Rangers in the World Series, I would have kind of laughed at you because I almost didn't think that he was going to make the team. Yeah, we're talking year, about him as like – as like a guy that 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 was because the bullpen was fluid pretty much the whole season, and even oh, as the yeah. hey, hey, I want to go back to something real quick that you brought up about Nathan Eovaldi, and I want to make a Bruce Bochy point, and it's like what I found so interesting that seemed so to me deliberate and intentional about about Bochy was that, and I think I said it on the show this morning, but that that he was that is he just was playing the long game. All year, like he was always playing the long game. He never did anything that felt like he was pressed or rushed. And when you talk about Eovaldi, he never seemed like he was in a hurry to get him back. There was no reason to rush him back. And it's like we were bleeding, you know, like we were we were struggling and we felt like we needed our guy. But Bochi, like again, he just it it seemed like and again, I'm I'm this is this is just me kind of kevinism here but it almost seems like he's like all right look if we're going to make the world series and win it we're going to have to have everybody as long as we can possibly have them and if we play the short game even if we win in the short term if we lose in the long term it's not worth it we got if we're going to win the thing we're going to have to do this so if we're going to go out we might as well go out playing as if we're going to win the world series as opposed to kind of kind of pulling uh you know throwing all our cards on the table uh, you know, in, in July, you know, so I, well, I had to and- Bochi for just thinking down the road. Like it just seemed like he, even when the playoffs started, even like 
when we were getting down to the wire at the end of the season, you could just still feel like he was like, just no sense of urgency, no like panic, no like, man, just, I I don't know, man, that just is an amazing thing to watch. When the playoffs started, when the Mm -hmm. playoffs started there, like, I mean, people made a big deal about him hitting Grossman in the three hole. Yeah. They made a big deal about Grossman being, uh, even on the uh, on the field, right? right? Because they were they thought that Garver should have been getting those at bats, or Mitch Car or uh, Evan Car Garver or Carter right. should have been getting those at bats. And I mean, so I can see why you know, uh, you know, like there were things that like if you're if you're following how baseball should be played and how all of that goes and all uh, you know. I mean, if you want that, like, go find uh, or how baseball, they want you to play baseball in the 2020s, you know, like kind mm-hmm. of that analytic, make no decision. Go find a ball club that's won by or run by old uh, Gabe Kapler or uh, Chris Woodward or one of those guys and tell me about all the all their world champions. Right. You know, right. like, I mean, like those are, that's kind of how I feel about that. Like, and, and I'm not saying that analytics aren't good because that's like not what I'm saying at all, because you need to have those stats. You need to have those, all those extra stats that you that come along with analytics. And it doesn't hurt for, you know, like I, I on Twitter, I follow a lot of people, Manimal Bull, by the way, I follow a lot of people on Twitter that like, breaking down how they would pitch to a Dallas Garcia. And I'm talking about guys that used to be big leaguers and they would go to these baseball savant savant type websites and they would get the, uh, the history on a Dallas Garcia, what he swings at, what he's where, where he's at on, on each count, you know, where, what he's swinging at on zero, zero, what he's swinging at on a one, Oh two, one, 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 two, one, three, you know, like three, one, you know, like what he swings at and, and, you know, those stats are great. Those are like, it's good to know all that stuff. But when you're in, looking at your bullpen and you've seen how much you've taxed guys and you've got the absolute most that you thought you could get out of Chapman and Spores is rolling, let Spores roll. Because, I mean, dude threw like what, like 14 pitches through the first four outs. And, I mean, end of the day, like all you can ask for is those guys to just keep getting outs. And while they're getting outs and I mean, they're, they mowed the lineup down. They had multiple chances. The Arizona Diamondbacks have to be kicking themselves for how they hit with runners in scoring position tonight. And a lot of that is due to how well Nadia Valdi was able to right. uh, slow his heartbeat down whenever it got to that point and get exactly what he needed out of the, you know, those innings. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's not happy with the with the uh, Evan Longoria single or double. It might have been a double down the right field line that blooped in and ended up uh, keeping him from, from throwing, you know, throwing a certain amount of pitches in that sixth inning. And but or, or maybe it was the fifth inning. I want to say it was the fifth inning. And, mm-hmm. But he was able to make the pitches that he needed to pit, make when the time was right to make those pitches. And and, and that's what he did. And he, he was able to – I mean, he was just awesome tonight. I mean, that was that was far and away the gutsiest performance I've ever seen by a pitcher. And especially, uh, I mean, a guy that's – you know, he, he's been run hard in this playoff series. And, and, you know, just a huge move by the Rangers to – 
to try and guide that thing through while he was on the DL and, and keep themselves in contention. And, you know, it's just been next guy up all year long. And, and, and that proved again, true this, this week uh, with Garcia and, and Scherzer going down and then Jankowski being such a hero last night. And then him also, you know, continuing things tonight and just, you know, keeping the keeping the wheel going, and that's what the Rangers were able to do late in the game. They got to Gallon a little bit with three consecutive hits. Um, I know we were all thinking, man, they should have sent Evan Carter right there, but, you know, it didn't end up coming back to hurt him in the bullpen. You know, I mean, Chapman, it, it, what, he had a four-pitch walk or something like that to a guy, but, man, when he's in the strike zone, he's almost just unhittable. Yeah, dude, he, he's electric. Hey, let's – um let, let's let's uh... – Let's kind of talk a little bit about about the game, um, and I think that'll help us uh, kind of, you know, I, I think it'll it'll help us even gain some perspective because, you know, a lot of what we saw tonight, I felt like was what we we've seen almost all year with this team, and that is just their ability to pile it on uh, and get a momentum going. <laughs> Uh, it was also a great uh, testament to their, you know, next man up mindset. It was also another game where almost everybody on the team contributed in some form or fashion. And one guy we didn't mention that we have to mention because these last two games, um, he was last three games really was huge. And that's the $175 million man, Marcus Simeon. Make me eat my crow, dude. Tell me all you gotta say it. You win. <laughs> give me, give me all of it because I deserve it all. Well, about first, Seager and Simeon because Simeon, man, these last three games, uh, he, him, and Seager both showed their worth, and that that trophy, uh, that World Series trophy, well, and that banner is worth every cent uh, uh, that we pay for these guys. Well, let's go back to November of 2021 sure and the rangers signing marcus simeon on a sunday evening and i sent you a message and i said what do you think about marcus simeon Mm -hmm. and i I believe your words were as a shortstop right and i said okay what have you got Marcus Simeon playing second base? And you were still on the fence. You're like, ah, this is a guy he performed in a contract year after he struggled in a half season. Yep. And look, Marcus Simeon, when he came here and that first year, he, he had that big money on the table and he was bad. He sucked. <laughs> he sucked in he April bad. and May of last year. <laughs> he was bad. And, and, April and May of 2022, and Marcus Simeon will tell you this. Mm-hmm. He sucked. Yep. You were thinking, what in the hell did we get? Well, I'll tell you and what I was And in the last thinking. four let, let me, months me, of the season. Let me butt in real quick just to tell you what yep. I was thinking. And, and again, you know, um, this is this is why you trust the process. But I was thinking, and you you heard me say this, and I've said it, and I've always I've been saying it since 2018 when we started really just talking Rangers hardcore. That I think millions, even billions, as a team should be spent on pitching. Period. And so when I saw them drop 500 million dollars on two middle infielders, for me it was just like, oh my gosh, like we need Whoa. to go sign Verlander or Scherzer or. You know, DeGrom, I mean, like, like DeGrom wasn't available at the time, but like, 
Like we need to be going and putting but, our money on yeah, frontline well, pitching. And, and, and some that of those guys that we talked about at that time were Robbie Ray, who mm-hmm. missed this whole season with Tommy John as well. Sure. Um, you know, uh, the, the Anthony Discalfinis who struggled with San Francisco this year after a good year last year. I mean, there were, there were guys, don't get me wrong. And I, I mean, I was interested in those guys for sure. I thought John Gray was a steal at three and 56. Steel. And we saw that, uh, we saw that this year. I mean, for half the season this year, John Gray was a top 10 pitcher in the, in the uh, yep. big leagues. And I mean, how many times did he carry, zero or one runs into the eighth or ninth inning early in the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as we talk about how great Eovaldi was and stepped up and how much he did, you know, I mean, after that, after Marcus, I mean, or after Nathan Eovaldi, you had John Gray who did that same thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, I remember he lost a couple of one nothing ball games. Where he pitched year. out I mean, against that, Gallon. Yeah, that night we one of them was against Gallon. St. Louis. Was the, it St. Louis? Night, the night we went to see him uh, in St. Yeah. Louis, and uh, we we sat together. Uh, Mike yep. was there with us. Uh, you know, I mean, he pitched great there. He gave up a solo shot. And what do they tell you? I mean, as a pitcher, I mean, go out there, and if you're going to give up a home run, give up a solo job, and let your team get you back into that. And the Rangers just didn't hit that night. And Jack Flaherty threw really well that night um, for the Cardinals, if I remember correctly. But but John Gray was, was you know, he was kind of an afterthought in that 2021, 2022 offseason, you know. Uh, he was kind of an afterthought, like a guy that kind of threw in on three and 56. And you're thinking, well, that's a pretty good deal for John Gray, considering he was the Rockies one. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and what did I tell you a hundred times when, when they signed him? I go, he's not a one, but he's a damn good three or four. Yeah, and he and he's shown that. He showed that this year. He showed it really last year, I thought, but this year for sure. Uh, there were times during the season where, um, it, again, everybody kind of stepped up. But back to the Simeon thing, and 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 back to kind of when when we signed him, and you know, just you know, again, I I wasn't excited about it. Uh, even when they signed Seager, I was like, man, I mean, he's a great player, but uh, you know, wh- who's going to pitch? You know, we we spend fifty million dollars on pitching, and then we spend five hundred million dollars on two middle infielders. And, but, but, and I want to say, <laughs> you know, 2022 was about finding out what you had, right? Mm-hmm. 2022 was if Glenn Otto, if Spencer Howard, if AJ Alexi, Nathaniel if, Lowe, Adolis uh, Garcia. Well, uh, and these are guys, Adolis Garcia and Nathaniel Jonah Lowe Heim. are two guys that paid off. Jonah <laughs> yeah, Jonah Heim Heim. Well. Those are guys yep. that paid off, right? Yep. But yep. the, 2022 was okay you had martin perez who you had on a one year a veteran on a one year great deal you know so him having an all-star season last year was tremendous and it and it and it kind of goaded them into giving him at least the money offer or the offer sheet if he left we got a, a a draft pick right and he ended up signing here coming back and and we were excited about that and and i don't think martin there were times in this season where martin perez was really good so, yeah, uh, you, you, you know, you, you look at it and you go back and you say, like, there were times where these guys helped us through this season and mm-hmm. they put us in positions to win. And that's what the Rangers did. The, the majority of the season, if the Rangers did anything all season, they put themselves in positions to win every night. Yep. Yep. And then, I mean, and think about it. This, this is an all time bad bullpen that blew more saves than any Rangers team had ever blown before. And you I think take the most half of those off of there, and the Rangers win 105 games. Yeah. And I think they blew, didn't they, they blow like the most blown saves of any playoff team 
like ever or something like that. Like once they something like that, or they, or they had some uh, kind of stat about how like teams uh, like blown say they were one of the most like uh, I don't again I look at me, Mister Baseball Savant here, but I want to say that going into the playoffs, they were one of like they had one of the most the worst blown save percentages or the most blown saves of a playoff team yeah. and definitely the most blown save this be, year. Um, and I definitely wouldn't be shocked if that was the case because that was, I mean, that's how, like how dreadful the bullpen woes were at certain points. And it also, you know, it also entailed guys like Josh Spores who, I mean, dude, we did one installment of Manimal of the Week, and it was Josh Spores, bro. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean, like, so he's had he's had important parts in this season, and then I mean, you felt for him when you knew he was injured, and and right. you knew that something was really wrong because after that Astros series, mm-hmm. I mean, we came on this show and basically proclaimed that dude off the effing team. Yeah. You know, that's how bad he was in that Astros series. But the Rangers said, no, no, no. A healthy Josh Spores is what we got tonight. And between him, Eovaldi, and, and dude, Chappie was good. I, dude, hey, Chapman had a better ERA throughout the playoffs than than uh, Jose LeClerc. Yeah, he did. Hey, you, you wanna... know, Chapman's going to get another contract to pitch in the big leagues again. Next yeah, year. and I mean, I wouldn't yeah. hate it if we brought him back. But I, I we'll, we'll go through that. that. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't either. And uh, I want to say just a tip of the cap to the Arizona Diamondback fans who right. were fantastic Man. all week this week. Mm. Uh, a big, a big, you know, Tori Lovello, Jeff Bannister, and the crew over there at Arizona. They did a fantastic job in wielding through that um, National League and getting themselves in a position to win a World Series. And it was really special what they did, especially with a lot of those pitchers that they had relied on so much throughout the season, uh, Davies and uh, um, uh, well, uh, the kid that pitched last night. Uh, um, I can't I can't. We're not talking about uh, the, the, the starting, the guy who started the game. The uh, guy – um, last night that pitched, uh, that he pitched the last five innings for the Diamondbacks last night. Oh, the uh, young kid. Hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm getting it for you. Yeah. Nelson. Okay. Uh, you know, like Ryan Nelson Davies, those guys kind of faltered for him down the stretch and they really went into the bullpen with a, a rookie and, and our boy P fat who that kid's going to be good for a lot of years, I hope. And I, mm-hmm. I want to see nothing but success for these diamondbacks in the future. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, at the end of the day, me and Kevin were able to parlay $10 a piece into 1100 plus dollars <laughs> off of these kids. And, and and so God bless them for that. But hey, at the end can of, I butt I mean, in? Can I butt in really... about the Diamondbacks? Can I butt in about them real quick? Yes, because please. we saw. I felt like this year when, during our playoff run, uh, and and again, like deal with it if you don't like what I'm going to say. We saw some of the worst fan bases um, as we went through this playoffs. I mean, Tampa's fans weren't bad because they were rude because they mean. weren't there. They just didn't because care. The Orioles fans were absolutely obnoxious, absolutely entitled. Uh, felt like that that they deserved it, like like as if they were just somehow more deserving of it. And then Astros fans, uh, you know, at the ALCS, um, you know, when I was so happy to fortunate to get to be at that game, they were the absolutely most obnoxious fans 
um, and they stood out and they were rude. They were obnoxious. They had zero respect for like Ranger fans, for any, just even being in our own stadium. So when we got to, when I started to see the behavior of the Arizona fans, the, the organ in the background, the fact that they weren't like, you know, Last they just night, they were down eleven to one, and nobody left. Right, and they, they, and they mean, were they willed their team to seven runs. Right, time. and they were good fans too. Like they weren't like they were more interested in cheering their team than they were in trashing our team or trashing our players or booing our guys or just being absolutely obnoxious. So, I mean, not just hats off to the team who honestly probably no one thought they deserved to be there, but them and maybe us. Um, but hats off to the to the fans and to the players, the coaching. I mean, it's just I'm I'm glad we're bringing this up because it was something I wanted to address because it's like um, it felt it was just nice for the World Series just to be a baseball game, you know, like like it, it yeah, wasn't it a big sideshow, so you know. Yeah, the the hatred that boils through the blood of Houston <laughs> and uh, the the Rangers and and the Rangers. They, you know, I mean. No, I, I mean, I have to really admit that, you know, I, I was really impressed by, you know, the Astros as a ball club. Mm-hmm. You know, the Astros is a ball club. That's, you know, one of those things where you can't help but respect what that team is. Mm-hmm. You can't help but respect how good that team has been for the the seven years that they've been. And I know that there's an asterisk besides that first world series championship. And there always will be Mm -hmm. because I mean, they were proven correct. Uh, um, They got the ultimate pass by the 2020 season being canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I, you know, I mean, it's the bottom line is they have to live with that. And that's why Astro fans, in my opinion, are so defensive about everything because they're so insecure about what happened in 2017. But I feel like Dusty Baker came into that thing and he righted the ship. Yeah, he brought integrity. He made them a, 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 a ball club that you could respect again. And for me, as a, as a fan, I will always, always not respect that 2017 team that felt like they needed to get an advantage with the team that they had. That was a great team that should have won a world series regardless. Hey, but now, but anyways, let's not talk. No, about I, and I want to, I want to shift gears real quick. Let me, let me ask you, a, you want to give, I'm going to give you a quick trivia question. It's a nice segue to a, a, a Rangers topic. How many games in the 2023 playoffs, how many games, did Evan Carter not – did he not get a hit? How many games? I'm going to say five. Okay. Oh, one. One. Wow. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, two. I, one is the oh, answer. Well. I just gave you the answer to the next question. And the next question was going to be, how many games did Evan Carter not get on base? And the and answer I, I that was, it was every one of them. It was well. On, let's see here. Unless it was a he had a hit. He had a hit by pitch that night that you're thinking. Okay, because we got we got so over every game in the playoffs. He got on base. Well, because we had an zero for four against Arizona on the thirty first. But that he got hit by a pitch. Last so he's night. on. He, so he that got on base on the hit by pitch. Yeah. And then, let me see. That's no, that's it. No, every. Yeah, every game. 
every gosh, man, I'm so glad I'm wrong. Every game of the playoffs, every game this cat got on base from October 3rd to November 1st, he was on base. <laughs> I, I just heard that the parade is going to be on Friday afternoon. Mm, man, I'm. I feel like I'm. <clears throat> <laughs> oh yeah, there's no doubt that I'll be there somewhere with mm. with some sort of alcoholic beverage in hand <laughs> and possibly uh, other things that might not be legal in Texas. Mm. But uh, I won't divulge into my felonies. Beautiful. Well, hey, look. I mean, man. Oh man. Um, we've talked Seeger. We've talked Carter. We talked Simeon. Uh, we haven't you really. You know who I want to talk about next? Uh, Josh Young? No. Okay. Mitch, Mitch Garver. Garver. I had a feeling he was going to be Mitch Garver. A huge hit after Zach Gallon had been able to calm everybody, keep everybody uh, at bay, right? I mean, Zach Gallon had been on fire. Corey Seeger gets a base knock. Evan Carter gets a base knock. You're feeling good about things. But. Man, Mitch, Mitch uh, Garver had, had some rough at bats against Zach Gallon tonight. Mm-hmm. Would, would, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, along with everybody else. But yes, definitely. Yes, uh, yeah. I mean, so for, for Mitch Garver to keep his head in there, work himself into a position to get that base knock up the middle, be able to get that first run across. Mm-hmm. You know, Mitch Garver, if, if he never plays a game with the Texas Rangers, which is very likely. Yeah. I mean, that's very likely. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I will always have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for Mitch Garver for not only being so cool to us at spring training. Yep. Or me at spring training with the show, the program, but for, for, Proving me right whenever we couldn't decide whether he'd play 60 games or not. <laughs> and I took that over and man, God bless him in his 89 or 90 games that he played this year. But dude, there was a time this season where Mitch Garver kept this get this club in ball games. Yeah, he was the best hitter on the team. Period. He was the best hitter on the team for a stretch. Uh, There's no stretch. I mean, I don't remember what that stretch it was. It had to be during the time when Garcia was was during the time where they went and got Mitch uh, Max Scherzer, right? Remember, they went and got Max Scherzer trade deadline. Jonah Heim gets hurt, and you're thinking, "Oh crap, Heim's down." Now we're in a in a bad spot. Mitch Garver stepped right in. He took right over, and he and he was everything. Well, and then and didn't Garcia go down during that stretch too? I want to say Garcia had that little stretch where he got Gar- hurt, and he was Garcia out for a little went bit. down at a certain point, and and Evan Carter comes up, and they go on a run again. So Garver, let me ask you this, or let me give you a fun stat with him, and hopefully I can get my statistics right today. But um, Mitch Garver played in fourteen games during this postseason with the Rangers, and he had thirteen runs batted in. And it could have very easily been 14 if they'd have sent Evan Carter on Alec Thomas. <laughs> it could have very easily been. I mean, 14. I mean, that, and, that grand slam oh, in, in the when he in the Baltimore series. Oh man, the the two run double down the line when they intentionally mm-hmm. put Seager on in front of him. Yep. I mean, 
there's so many things. The list goes on and on. The the hot streak that he went on at the trade deadline to keep the Ranger fans going Mm -hmm. and getting them that. Remember, they had an eight game streak in a row where they they put together a real nice stretch and 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 Mitch was right in the middle of that thing. Corey Seager, of course, was in the middle of that thing. You know, I've never heard anyone say like $325 million well worth it after two years of a contract, but I'm going to say it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Are you, are we talking about Corey Seager? Yeah. Oh, oh. well, I mean, the, 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 pendulum, the pendulum swing. Oh, dude. I mean, uh, a healthy Corey Seager to me as the best player in baseball and the best Ranger that's uh, the best Ranger of all time. Um, what he did in the playoffs this year. Oh, dude. I mean, what he, what, I mean no. and, and you know, we haven't even talked about Bombi yet. No. And it's funny because it's like, we haven't because you know, he, he's out of the, he was out of the game tonight, but remember, let me give you my old Bombi memory from this year, dude. Remember when I was worried that the city connect jerseys might be cursed because we went out there that first game. I think I went to that game. It was and, uh, the Grom. And, and yeah, we, we lost that game. But then the next game, El Bombi goes out, and I think he gets like eight runs and hits has like eight runs batted in. Yeah, like three home bomb, runs, three bomb, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in a no, double, absolutely. three home runs. It was like three home runs and two doubles. It was something crazy, yeah, an insane, an insane stat line that night. And mm-hmm. and opposite you know, field home runs, like the next thing you know, they're wearing those things two nights a week. Oh and yeah. They can't- put some damn cream pants on and look good. But anyway, well, no, I but, but, uh, but you know, the, the thing the about Russian is Kevin Gill. Like, well, I like what I, what I thought was so impressive about him, obviously the arm, I mean, the throw, the, the, the outfield uh, gun downs were, were just the best. He's the best right field arm in baseball this year. Dared him. Um, Dared yeah, best, best right field. And he showed it in the playoffs, but man, it was, it wasn't just the big, the big homers that he hit, but man, those, those line drive, Opposite field uh, home runs that he would hit, uh, just to Go me showed off in game one. Yeah, yeah, it, it just showed how versatile of a hitter he was. And the other thing that I have to say about him this year was that no matter how bad of a game he might have had, every time he stepped up to plate, he was dangerous. And that Houston series showed it. Like that was the series four, that, you, that every the world got to see. The world got to see what we already knew. <laughs> We knew. I mean, look, Adolis Garcia has been him all year for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. He's he's prided himself on being him for the Rangers. The Rangers have have turned to him at all turns, at all turns, and 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 Adolis, whether it be playing center early in the year to keep the thing going, mm-hmm. the gunning guys at third at home daring people to run on him just praying somebody mm-hmm. would run on him and and you know christian walker in the in the game in game four when we right before he was injured still making a huge impact on not only the team but the game and and you know if, if i heard correctly everybody that's been talked to since they talked about Dolly going down was he was the first guy that stepped up in the team meeting yesterday mm-hmm. in the hitters meeting and he talked and he told those guys like hey this is what is expected out of Texas Rangers hitters and Texas Rangers as a baseball team and they responded by going out there and dropping an 11 spot 
on on not mm-hmm. only a guy, you know, on, on a night where they were going to see different pitching at all turns, and there was no real, you know, rhyme or reason to how Arizona was going to go after them, and they, you know, responded in spades and were able to really put a, a good at bats together. And I mean, I know they caught some breaks with Christian Walker, who's a Gold Glove first baseman, botching mm-hmm. the double play, but you know, I mean. Look, Arizona has caught some breaks throughout the year. The Rangers have caught some breaks throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, 162 games, a seven-game series, everything evens out. And I mean, the Rangers, they, they 11 and 0 hey. on the on the road. Let man. me tee you I up. Mean, let me tee you that up. That is just no. Let me tee you up. This is my job on the show, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna tee you up with another one because because I love doing this. I'm just gonna set you up, and I'm just gonna let you knock it down. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to give another Kevin hot take. The greatest trade deadline acquisition in the history of the Rangers is not Cliff Lee. It's Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery, what he did for the Texas Rangers. (laughs) I mean, you know, the only blemish on Jordan Montgomery is the night where uh, Bochy tried to put him back out there for the seventh and steal another couple of outs with him. That was the only blemish on his postseason. Uh, the night that he he struggled with the Orioles, he was in a position because he had a huge lead the whole night. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it wasn't like he pitched bad. He just didn't get far enough in the game to get him what they needed. You know, and, and down the stretch, we don't we're not here. Like, there's no. We, he was the best. I mean, obviously, Seager's been the MVP all year, but he was the best no player. He was the best player on the team down the stretch. Because when we needed a stopper, he was he was the ace. Like like where what Eovaldi did in the first half, Jordan Montgomery did in the second half and on through the playoffs. And it was that Eovaldi Montgomery one two punch, lefty righty, in the playoffs that that really and truly you can't win without those one without a one and a two. You just don't win in the playoffs. They had, and and they, they had, had that to because give of him. up. They gave up. A, a couple of really good players to get Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, they did. Now, here's the thing. The Rangers will be notoriously known for the team that listened to Creed and ate hot dogs <laughs> and and were, were typically the type of team that I could see Jordan Montgomery pitching for for a long time. <laughs> but there are going to be teams <laughs> – Excuse me, that log of Ulan's kicking in. But Got it. Uh, um, the, there's going to be teams. The the New York Mets are going to be high, like they are their fan base right now because you know how you know how Mets. Uh, I mean Yankees fans get. I'm sorry, not Mets Yankees. Right. They've they they are regretting the day that they were able that they sent Montgomery to St. Louis. Even. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's going to put real pressure on Brian Cashman, who, who, you know, he feels the heat more than anybody in the league, right? Right. Because he's the he's the general manager of the New York Yankees. Yep. So there's going to be real pressure on him to go out there and try and make a move on Jordan Montgomery because those Yankee fans are so disappointed. And I saw five and one twenty five. As the type of price tag that Jordan Montgomery's gonna, he's going to, you know, get here in this off season. 
Now, to me, it's not my money. It's Ray Davis's money. Right. And Mr. Davis, he, he said damn well in the earlier in the season that he was he was ready to to uh, make sure that they did whatever they could possibly do to get Bruce Bochy in the in the dugout at Globe Life Field next year, which he will be. Mm. And I'll, I'll be damned if Ray Davis didn't do it. He didn't give them the opportunity to put themselves in a position. They didn't mortgage the farm at, on August 1st. No, they didn't. They didn't mortgage but, anything. <laughs> but, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's go, Louis, Louis Angel Acuna is going to play Major League Baseball. It sure point. is. Thomas J.C. is going to play Major League oh, Baseball. He definitely point. is. And there's a good chance that Takea Roby is going to play Major League Baseball at some point. Right. But that banner will hang forever. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That banner will hang forever. Man, like, like man, oh, man, like, you know. Me like, and you will be dead and gone. <laughs> hey. And that banner will still hang in those rafters. You know what's wild? Whether it be Globe Life Field or some new fantastic ballpark that they build on top of Globe Life Field. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll just build it on top of Globe Life Field. Yeah, like like use but, yeah, just just fill up the Globe Life with concrete and carry on, carry on. But that will be there forever. And all those moves, you know we love Tommy Tommy Sajasi. He was a favorite on this show. Yeah, we love the guy and he's a great guy in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we loved Louis Angel Acuna and the little bit oh, that we saw of him oh, at Frisco. Bro. And the oh. same with Takeo Robo. We Major were there League the players, night dude. Robo got hurt. Right. You yeah. know, we were there that night and we felt for Takeo as he walked off the field with a shoulder injury. And we kind of like, we had no idea that right then was the last moment we'd ever see him as a Ranger, you know? Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, Scherzer was a huge part of the mindset. Remember, we talked about this with signing Jacob DeGrom, where right. whether whether things didn't go the way that we wanted or not, the culture changed by the idea that Jacob DeGrom was well within our grasp of being our number one guy. Yep. And whenever DeGrom goes down and the bull and the and the trade deadline's looming and we don't know what Nathan Eovaldi's going to be like the rest of the season. They didn't rest on their laurels and try and run with Andrew Heaney and and no offense like I'm not talking like dude Andrew Heaney what he did last night right was so big for this no, franchise. We're not here without him. But they didn't rest on those laurels. They didn't say, "Oh, well we're good with Dunning and Heaney well, and Perez." Let, let me cut in. Let Perez. me cut in. Let me cut in. Let me cut in because this is something that people need to know. Remember when I told you that what what who was the number one person on my wish list that I would thought we weren't going to get? And I probably probably said it on the show. I didn't Scherzer think we were was get one it. of those guys. He was I mean, my guy. Was like, I was like, we dude, like made if you just give me like, a wish list, just give me a wish list. If you said who, if you could have anybody, who would you take? And I'm like, give me Scherzer, dude. Give me a bulldog. Been there, done that. World's uh, 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 Hall of Famer. Like, World give me Jammer? that guy. You know, don't give me the guy that the young guy that hasn't done it with all the talent. Give me the guy that's going to bring that. I've been there. I've done that. Um, This is no big deal to me. This is how you win championships mindset guy. Give me that guy because because I believe And when they made that signing, man, it wasn't again back to the same thing with DeGrom. It wasn't about just what happens on the field. It's that the Rangers are telling us 
we're trying to win this thing. We're doing what it takes. Yeah. Gosh, they didn't give up much for these guys. Like, yeah, we gave up some good players, but, but bro, as you guys are going to hear, as we continue to deep dive this farm system over the next few weeks, like there's a ton of talent still left uh, in this organization uh, that that's going to be kicking down the door uh, to try to get some playing time next year uh, for this team. Um, but this year, I think what, what was so great to see was that the Rangers did it with a combination of youth, uh, of current all-stars, uh, veterans. And, you know, they just they really had a great mix of everything this year. And I think what we were saying this morning, one of the big things that I think was holding the Rangers back wasn't the fact that they didn't have the names, that they didn't have the talent. It's just it's just the Rangers. You know, it's just the stigma of of having never done it. And, and if this same exact team was wearing pinstripes uh, with a black hat in New York, uh, they'd have been, oh, they'd no have been the, they'd have been the favorites to win the world the Darlings. series, you know, they so, would have been the darlings of the playoffs. Yep, this team. Yep, I mean, yep, and, yep. and the, Hey, and let's let look, let's just pretend for a minute that we didn't watch the broadcast this week mm. and we didn't watch over the last seven days and we didn't see how, ridiculous John Smoltz sounded every time he talked. Sure. Right? You know, let's sure. let's 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 pretend for a minute that we didn't hear that. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not blaming John Smoltz. He's trying to make a series where he knows that these Ranger bats are gonna get him mm-hmm. and they got him. You know, I mean he's trying to make this series sound interesting and and I don't blame him as much as maybe other people are blaming him around town. But at the end of the day, I mean if you would have listened to him, you know, for that this last six days, you would have thought that that uh, the Diamondbacks were winning this series, the whole thing. <laughs> same with the Orioles series, man. It was and the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like remember, as soon as the Rangers won that series with the Orioles, John Smoltz's first words were, "If this happened ten times, it wouldn't have happened this way all ten times." Oh yeah. Yeah, he is. You know, and, and again, crazy. I, I guess I don't know. I guess that gets in the way of a good time for the Rangers post game show where they're going to interview all those guys. So they got to say something good about the Orioles down the stretch. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And then the the Astros here, dude. That Astros series was the best series of the the postseason for sure. For sure, it wasn't it, even really close, right? And it, and it harkens you back, and, and again, uh, don't uh, don't throw up in your mouth here, but it harkens me back to the old '90s Cowboys year, where it was like when you played oh. the NFC Championship, and it was Cowboys Niners in that NFC Championship. You know that was kind of the big matchup, and the you know the Super Bowl almost in in felt anticlimactic. Now, being a Bills fan, I, I don't mean that. It to, this is not a night for this is not a night to take uh, to take shots at yeah, unnecessary shots at the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I'm that right that was that not line. that yeah, at all. No, I got you. But but that was kind of a, a rhetoric, and it kind of reminded me that you know, hey, the big, you know, this was the 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 slaying of the giant was you know beating the Astros and the way that we beat the Astros, the fact that uh, Altuve had to get that little. Uh, that little like send off home run at the end of getting uh, getting it handed to them on their home turf um, was was just I mean we can bask in it now you know I mean really and truly like we can bask in it we can say hey you know what like like th- that team the way and again you know I I'm a I I still uh, 
you know, I, I do like Jordan Alvarez. Uh, but Me after too. that, you know, I, 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 pro- I don't have much respect for, for, for that team. Um, and, you know, just to see us get past them and not only get past them, uh, but also to, to, to win the World Series after, you know, the Rangers had to fly over their home, their home stadium from Seattle to get to Tampa Bay to play that first playoff game. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't think that didn't motivate every single player on that team, on that plane, um, you saw it right when they went out and they took it to the best two teams in the American League record-wise, and then they slayed the Giant and the best team in the American League for the last 10 years to get to this World Series. And remember, I've said it all year, dude, and I, and I, and, and, and I never backed off on it. I don't want anything easy. Nothing like give us all of it. Give us, give us every hard thing that we've got to overcome so that when we hold this thing up, we were the best team in the, in major league baseball this year. We overcame every bit of adversity. We beat all the best teams down to the, down to the, to the, the best record, the best team, you know, like there's no excuses. This was the best team in baseball this year, hands down. And I know we're probably getting close to wrap up, but there's one more guy I want to bring up um, that that needs to get talked about because we would not be here without him. And this is another setting the ball on the tee. Um, he wasn't a big big star in the postseason, um, but he was the most valuable pitcher on this team this year. And I know we've talked Evaldi, we've talked Jordan Montgomery, uh, we've talked about Josh Spores, we've talked all these other guys. But man, Dane Dunning and the role he played on this team this year—it's it goes kind of under the radar. But logged the most innings for the Rangers this year. I want to say he led the team uh, in earned run average. Um, he did stuff. Came in, I want to say, on the back of two Jacob Degrom starts, where he had to leave the game early. Um, you know, like bullpen duty, starting pitching duty. Uh, really, the best season he's had in his career. And, you know, again, another guy that really kind of deserves, obviously Josh Young's going to be on that, on that list uh, as well, because uh, he was an all-star Jonah Heim uh, is on that list as well. And I think all of these guys, it's just, everybody had their, their kind of moment in the sun. Uh, but as a, as far as uh, another guy that just needs that kind of that, that, that recognition, uh, Dane Dunning, man. And, and it's funny because I, I'm teeing you up as I'm continuing talking, but he was your guy, man. I remember last year and the year before last, like uh, I want to say it was last year and the year before last, because that was, I think it was, he got traded for, uh, he came over right. in the yeah. last deal. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, you, you were high on this guy from the get go. Uh, and he had a few struggles here and there, but you're like, no man, he's showing something. And uh, this year, uh, we wouldn't be where we are without him, and he he deserves well, that ring as much as anybody. Well, Dane was a competitor from the first the jump. That was the first thing that I noticed about Dane Dunning was that he was a competitor because he doesn't bring the absolute best stuff in the history of the game of baseball to the table. Mm-hmm. He he throws a eighty nine ninety mile an hour sinker. He throws an eighty nine ninety mile an hour cutter, and then he throws a slider. And I think he has a change as well, but he doesn't have overpowering stuff. He doesn't have any kind of, I mean, his cutter was one of the, the lowest batting average against in major league baseball for most of the year. 
Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't give up a ton of home runs. He keeps the ball in play. He keeps he keeps the defense engaged. He doesn't strike a ton of guys out, but he does have strikeout stuff when he gets in good counts. You know, mm -hmm. Dane has just been one of those guys that I knew it kind of from the start with him that like he was I don't know what uh the word I would use, but he, he was a he was a gutsy competitive kid that I I had seen for some reason I was watching a Dane Dunning start with Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I wanna say it was in twenty twenty whenever everybody kinda had crappy schedules and you were watching weird baseball at weird times of the day because dudes were playing no hitters because they had COVID protocol and all of that stuff. Right. Sure. So I got a chance to watch Dane Dunning pitch one night, maybe on MLB network, maybe on H or ESPN. I'm not sure, but I, I kind of looked at him and I was like, you know, there's not a ton to him, but he gets out, he gets ground balls. He gets guys to swing at bad pitches and good counts in his favor. And, you know, so I, I was a fan kind of before, but at the same time, whenever I saw that they traded Lance Lynn and they got him, I was like, okay, this is a kid that can be in this rotation in the future and be a, a five or a, a spot starter with a good bullpen stuff to get you a couple or three innings if you need it. So. Right. I was a fan of his, and when you were kind of like down on Dane Dunning last year because he was pitching in a lot of situations where he wasn't uh, in control of the counts and he'd get himself in bad counts and you'd be like, ah, oh, this guy sucks, right? You know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, no, he doesn't suck. He's just getting himself in bad counts. And like this year, he didn't put himself in a ton of bad counts. You never saw a game where he just got blown up completely. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of like what I what I saw the difference between him this year and him last year was he never put himself in a position to where he got blown up completely. He never got you know he never gave up the big three run home run. When he gave up a home run, it was a solo job, and you can live with that. And 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 that's kind of where I was with Dane Dunning. And this year, he really kind of proved me to be you know like right about him, but at the same time. Like I wanted to be, I wanted him to be right because that helps the Texas Rangers. And we saw that within this season and all through the playoffs that, you know, a, a right done, Dane Dunning is a recipe for, a, a, you know, a productive piece in a, in a championship team. Yeah. And one more thing, I, I got to say something else about where, well, while I'm on this, um, it's not Dane Dunning, but just thinking about contributors, you know, a lot of, a lot of, people would say that the Jacob deGrom season this year um, was a disappointment. And I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say it was disappointing. But in all six starts, the Rangers won those games. And in those six starts, he had 45 strikeouts over 30 innings. I would be willing to bet that there's relievers out there that didn't the – top-level relievers that didn't have – that didn't give you that kind of – Right. Like, like I'm talking about like even the body of work. Closer. Yeah, that's like top level closer numbers. Right. Um, so but, six and oh yeah. uh six wins for the Rangers during his starts. Um again, we don't we don't make the playoffs without those six wins. And everybody contributed. 
Uh, I know we're, we got to go up against it here because it's getting late. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think Josh Young definitely deserves uh, a conversation. And, and, and we said it Zeke early Durant. on. Yeah, Zeke Duran. But Josh Young, I think we said at the beginning of the season that, you know, what we wanted to see from him was kind of him take a leadership role in this team. And I really believe that that he did that. And I think that if he continues in the path that he's going, that he's going to be the leader. He's the, he will be the leader of this team. Um, yeah. And on, I think on, there's like, guys he really like, has that. and I, and I think like, if I don't know if you saw the piece with a rod before the show with Evan Carter and Josh Young, you kind of saw that like in his eye when he, when a rod asked him, where are you looking to go? He's like pointing as high and as far as he could possibly point, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I kind of see that. And, and, and young man, what a, what a contributor he was this whole season. Um, an mm-hmm. all-star nod in his rookie year, hit 20-plus home runs. Um, good chance that he'll probably be number two on most people's rookie of the year list. Um, mm-hmm. What a what a wonderful season for him, and what a nice shot in the arm for the Texas Rangers to have a guy like Josh Young playing third base for him for at least well, the next mean, several years. Well, and, a cool, and he batted a cool 311. With a 333 on base and a 557 slug uh, during the playoffs, so um... <laughs> yeah, that 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 eight eight hundred plus eight fifty plus in the in the ops will play at any point, and and I mean, especially when you're hitting in the eight hole most of that time. Yep, yep. Um, well, hey, um, I'll go ahead and kind of roll us out of here. Yeah, um, one more you... guy before sure, we please. get out of here. One yeah. more guy, Jose Leclerc. Mm. Jose Leclerc, he had some struggles early, got his stuff right, peaked at the right time, and he really was a big part of why the Texas Rangers won the World Series. Yeah, especially because that back end of the bullpen, he kind of stepped up and stepped into that role when if you'd have said, um, you know, when he was having those struggles earlier. Yeah, if you just said, hey, he's going to be your closer in the world, he's going to be your closer through the postseason in the World Series, we'd have kind of been like, he's got the stuff, but he don't have the mental makeup for that. Um, But, yeah, he he ended up finishing the season with some really, really good uh, final statistics, and he pitched really well uh, in the postseason. And, you know, the way Bochy manages that bullpen, you got to be ready to do whatever, whenever – and yeah, because he, he was up for the he, challenge. He ain't got no favorites. He ain't no, got no favorites. I just a... before we before we get out of here, I just mm-hmm. want to give a heartfelt thank you to every person that Man. that joined us back in November or joined us yesterday. All ten of y'all. <laughs> all oh man. Hey man, I'm pretty sure like that was like me, you, your wife. Christy yeah. and like four other people, you know, like yeah, like my mom, like my four, sister. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. My mom, my brother, you know, like those are the people that were listening in the beginning. But for every person from from Oregon, from emails I've gotten from Oregon through Kansas, from the Netherlands, uh, France, and and all <laughs> over the country, all over the world, not just the country. 
what a what a wonderful experience this has been through this whole year. Me and Kevin have, uh, I mean, hey, you want to know something really funny is me and Kevin almost quit this podcast over Cole Raggins. <laughs> Future Cy Young winner. Cole. Yeah, hey, possibly, <laughs> but uh, he helped this club this year. And, you know, yep. you may look back on it someday and go, man, I wish we had that Cole Raggins kid. But yep. you never know. I mean, he's he's already t- two Tommy Johns deep, so you never know for him. But yeah. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, and I know Kevin will will uh, agree with me on, on this that we're so thankful for everyone that listens. The we've had we've had thousands of listeners this week, and that's mm-hmm. just insane. And and to to me, like I'm just so happy that people care about ranger baseball enough to listen to us not even to listen to me or to you but to just the care enough about rangers baseball to to scope us out give us a chance and and to some of our great fans that we've met from all over the country or or talked to on the internet or or have have offered to just be cool to like it's just insane to me and i'm so yeah. thankful and it's it's just like my pro wrestling career if i would have ever guessed that someone was going to actually pay me enough money to where i didn't have to do anything but be a pro wrestler for long stretches of my life i would have been shocked as a 12 year old and for the same thing for like 12 year old me who moved to Texas in 1993, 1994, I'm sorry. And my first game that I ever watched was the Rangers play in Boston in the, at Fenway park. And uh, they're down like eight to two. And my uncle looked at me and he goes, don't worry. They got them right where they want them. <laughs> and the next thing I know, it's like nine to eight Rangers. And then the <laughs> Boston scores five more runs and the Rangers score five more runs. And it's just the most fun baseball. Those years with Juan gone and Rafi Palmero and, and Ruben Sierra and all those guys that makes it all so worth it. I mean, even the A-Rod years and Ken Kamenei, you know, they gave some up. Op- they gave some tries. And for it to come through and Michael Young and all the Elvis and all those guys that didn't get it done in 2011, this is for those guys because that team was good enough to win a world championship Mm. and it just didn't happen. And for it to happen tonight with them to go out there and strategically put money in the right places with Seager, Simeon, Gray, Ivaldi, Dunning, I mean, Heaney, uh, the the Grom, they just went about it the right way. And there's so many pieces in this thing that can be, you know, credited to this win tonight. And, you know, guys that picked up slack in certain places and, and guys that we lost that we wanted did not lose like Alex Spees and those guys. It's just been a wild ride. And I, I can't wait to see what this off season brings and what the Rangers do next year. And, and I think maybe we'll just, do this show and maybe take a day off and we'll reconvene sometime. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to kind of match, uh, the sentiment, you know, you guys that listen to the show, uh, one of the things that I like to say is that, you know, we're not doing the show to be famous or make money or, or any of that stuff. We do it because bull and I are friends and we like talking baseball. First and foremost, that and and I felt like and I'm gonna be honest with you guys, like I, I don't know anybody 
that knows more about the Rangers than him. And it came down to a point to where it was like, well, you know, why don't we just, I, I feel like you, I feel like other people needed to, to hear what he had to offer. And it, as far as me, I'm like, and then I get to sit back and listen and, and then I'm going to be the most knowledgeable Ranger fan out there besides my co-host. And now everybody I know comes to me for Rangers news. All I'm doing is regurgitating what my co-host uh, worked so hard to put on this show uh, for you guys. And so it started with a couple of guys just being friends and coming on and, and talking ball. And that's what we like to think of you guys as, is our friends, you know, that, that we're just coming on here and talking ball with you guys. This is just baseball is a talking sport. And we just want to come on here talk baseball with our friends. And we just invite you guys, you know, to, to come in and, and kind of join in with us and, you know, ask us questions on the internet or give us your opinion or really just, you know, cheer on the Rangers or, or give your sense, whatever it is. Um, but that's what this is really about. And, and, and hopefully it brings a little bit of something different and it, and it, and it brightens up your day just a little bit because baseball is like therapy for us. And anybody who's complimented us on the internet, don't think we don't see those. Some of those things are hard to reply to. Like it's hard. You can't reply on Spotify, like to, to people that, that compliment the show. So if you're listening to this and you've complimented the show on either Spotify or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, we, we appreciate that. We see that and we know that, that, that y'all are appreciating what we do. And, and, and we we're thankful for that. And man, that, what a, what a night. The Rangers are world champions, dude. There's going to, there's <laughs> going to be a banner in this new stadium that says the Rangers yes. are the world champions. Yes. Yes. I remember, um, as a kid, you know, like my first, uh, burning first, your butt on the seats, in... the old stadium, yeah. I, I, my first games were, were out in the bleachers at the, at the old, the old Arlington stadium before the ballpark. And right. I remember the old, this old guy sitting in front of me and he had a tank top on and he was sitting there drinking, getting crazy. And every time he'd raise his arm, he'd have this big deodorant ball in his armpit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was my first big Texas Rangers memory and Nolan Ryan and, you know, Robin Ventura and Bo Jackson and uh, really just like that whole that whole era uh, of was kind of my first foray into baseball and Bobby Valentine and Steve Bouchelle. And um, you know, that was kind of what what I started out watching. And then of course we we went through that phase of the nineties with, you know, Juan Gonzalez, who probably my favorite, you know, up till up till recent memory, probably my favorite Ranger of all time. Um, it just, you know, it's always been fun being a, it's been fun being a Ranger fan, but you know, to kind of get to, it gets to enjoy uh, a world series with my buddy, uh, get to, get to do it with my wife and my kid and, and all of you guys has just been a complete privilege. And, uh, again, we're just really grateful. And now on to the off season where down on the farm with the boys is going to heat up. We're going to yep. get some of our buddies on from all over the country that are wrestlers to talk about their favorite baseball teams and give us raps on that so me and kevin are going to be busy this off season and we hope that you uh join us for some of that stuff and i can't wait to see what the rangers do in the off season there's question marks coming up and you know adrian beltre i think he's up for hall of fame this off season so you know we'll talk about that if he gets inducted into the hall of fame and we'll look forward to that that day next summer and dude there's just i mean it doesn't stop the rangers win the world series we talk about it tonight we'll probably talk about it the next show for sure and 
after we get a chance to really stop and and really think about it all, you know, but man, what a, what a feeling, what a night. I mean, I got emotional because I just knew that how much it meant to this town and how much it meant to me and, and being a Ranger fan since the moment, the moment that I got here, you know, just being a Ranger fan and and knowing that this team has been here every day, every summer, every day, day in, day out. They weren't all pretty all those years, but Let's be real honest. Tonight was the most beautiful thing I ever seen in my entire life. Man, um, I want to say one more thing before we sign out of here. Besides my uh, wife on our wedding day. Go ahead. Obviously, obviously, obviously. Well, I want to say, man, I know uh, he'll never listen to this show. Um, but my, my, uh, I don't know what you call this, like heartfelt, like condolences or however you want to put this. Go out to Alec Thomas, uh, the center fielder yeah. for Arizona. We have been there, man. Like, as Rangers fans, we have had that moment in the World Series where you just literally watch it all roll under your glove. And really, um, and real it, quick, it just that hurt. Too, what an amazing effort that it that hurt, guy man. put together. That, that hurt me to watch that, man. Like, it did. I was like, man. It took me a second to recover from the empathy uh, to get back on board and, and of course, start to be able to celebrate. So I think what that, a wonderful uh, night to be a Ranger fan. Heck of a night. And and just, man, I mean, there's just so many, so many things to celebrate. And we'll we'll be talking about this the rest of our lives, much less the rest of this week and uh, the rest of the, the offseason. I hope you bear with us. This is the longest podcast we've ever done by far. No question about on purpose. it. But yeah, I mean, it it deserves every minute that we spent on it. And, and you know, when we when we picked this thing up last year at around this time, there was no question in my mind that the Rangers were going to be a better team. But to have the feeling that we had tonight with this squad and know that this squad is going to be back. And we're going to have these guys for a long mm-hmm. time. And, and I mean, it's a wonderful thing. And, and don't get it twisted. We get Jacob DeGrom back next year. Yep. I mean, it's it's so exciting to be a Rangers Scherzer fan will be right back now. next and, year. And hopefully uh, Bochi, I imagine he's, he's going to be back next year. And they're grooming Will Venables. And he's telling people no when they call him on manager jobs. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and sign us out. Um Again, thanks, everybody, for tuning Matt in. Matt Pro, December 1st, down on the farm yep. with the boys. We'll pick back up. And I bet me and Kevin next week we do an episode this weekend that we get back up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So don't forget to check us out social media, TX Rangers WTV. Don't forget to check out our website, TexasRangersWithTheBoys.com. All and, one uh, word. All one word. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll be back in normal show uh, format the next time uh, we're on and looking forward to uh, really wrapping up this Ranger season and, and just giving you guys kind of one last one last lap victory lap uh, with us. And uh, so thank you again sincerely from uh, my co-host and I for tuning in and, and being our friends and hanging out and, and enjoying Rangers baseball in this world championship with us. For the 300-pound animal, this is your boy, Kev. We are Texas Rangers with the boys, and we are signing.